Hello and welcome to Unbossed. I am your host, Nina Turner. And in the co-host chair today, Jordan Yule is in the house, host of the podcast, The Insurgents. Jordan, it's so good to have you back on Unbossed. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, it's great to be back. Yeah, we got a whole lot to cover today, Jordan. So we just gonna get right into it. You know, one of the segments, especially the segment that has to do with Don Lemon getting into it with one of these GOP presidential candidates. I want all my sisters and brothers and family and friends today to know that I made the time today to teach a lesson. But what else are we talking about today? Well, President Joe Biden is seeking reelection. And he is using all everything, everything he has to really block off other challengers. You know how it goes when you are the incumbent. You really don't want anybody running from you. I mean, running from you, ha, running <laughs> against you. Maybe running from you either, but running against you. And then, yeah, Don Lemon corrects Vivac on his revisionist history. So I'm making time today to put some icing and all kinds of cherries on top of what Don Lemon did that day during that interview. And later in the show, the ex-officer who fatally shot Brianna Taylor was hired as a deputy. You heard me correctly, yes, was hired as a deputy. Now, while you're getting comfortable there, don't forget to subscribe if you are not a subscriber. If this is your first time tuning in to Unbossed, welcome, baby. So glad you are here. Make sure you share this with your friends and your frenemies, letting them know that this is one of the best hours of their day. And in case you're catching us on video on demand, Share the clips, please do that. All right, we're going right into our WTF neoliberal DNC no debates. The announcement from the president, but it comes with a few rules and it has me saying WTF neoliberal. We will now kneel. Miss Cinema, Miss Cinema, no. I have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. Freedom. Personal freedom is fundamental to who we are as Americans. There's nothing more important, nothing more sacred. That's been the work of my first term, to fight for our democracy. This shouldn't be a red or blue issue. To protect our rights, to make sure that everyone in this country is treated equally and that everyone is given a fair shot at making it. Let's finish this job, I know we can, because this is the United States of America. There's nothing, simply nothing we cannot do if we do it together. That was the president's big announcement. You know, said all the right words, treated equal, land of freedom, we can do it, all of that good stuff that a candidate would say. And here's the tweet that came along with the video. We all want you to see this. Every generation has a moment where they have had to stand up for democracy, to stand up for their fundamental freedoms. I believe this is ours. That's why I'm running for reelection as president of the United States. Join us, let's finish the job. Now, President Biden dropped this news early this morning, but it didn't really shock anyone. We had been hearing the rumblings for at least a couple of months now that the president was going to seek re-election. It was just a matter of time before the announcement was made. But with this news comes even other news along with it because everybody's not giddy and jumping up and down. Let's put up this tweet from Roots Action. The Democratic Party has no plans to sponsor primary debates. 
President Biden should not be enabled to coast to renomination without such a debate, especially in light of recent polling that shows most Democrats don't want him to seek a second term. That tweet coming from Roots Action. And then check out this response to that tweet. I'll change my tune if someone meaningful runs, but right now, who would he even be debating? Williamson? RFK Jr. Question mark, question mark, question mark. Roots action. We hear you. But hiding him from voters when the majority of Democrats and young people don't want him to run again is a recipe for disaster in 2024. He will have to debate the GOP. That shouldn't be the first time we see how he does when his record is being challenged. And that's right, no primary debates. But we'll go deeper on that in a second and how that is incredibly, incredibly anti-democratic. So Jordan, I do agree. I want the team to put back up that tweet with Roots Action, between Roots Action and this person saying who else is there. So Jordan, for me, I'm gonna unpack this the way I see it and I can't wait to hear how you feel about it. In a representative democracy, that's exactly what it is. And for me, someone who's ran for office, you know, had ups and downs and turnarounds. Every single election, whether you hold the office or not, is a way for the voters to really weigh in. And they should have the opportunity whether they want you back or not. Now, as an incumbent in several races, of course, you're sitting back saying, Dag, I've done an extraordinary job. I don't want anybody to run against me. But that ain't how, that's, that's, not, that's not the agreement. That's not the social contract here. In America, we pride ourselves on saying that people have choice. We talk about that choice more pronouncedly in the reproductive health circles. But Jordan, I believe that that choice should extend to voting as well, and that nobody, even myself included, when I I've been on the ballot that I should have, you know, just say, hey, nobody jump in the race. I mean, as much as personally, I, I, you know, you really don't want anybody to jump in the race, but it's their right here in this country to jump in the race. And how dare this person, I don't even know who the hell this person is, say that, you know, just kind of really dismiss Marianne Williamson and also RFK Jr. I think that's wrong, but I'm looking to hear your thoughts on this, Jordan. Uh, that's a funny tweet selection. That's a that's a buddy of mine. He used to uh, be a comms director for a few progressives in Congress, and I think his point is an interesting one. Right now, uh, I I don't know if it would be worth having a debate between you know Biden and JFK or RFK Jr. But the, the, the debates wouldn't happen right now. And Marianne Williamson. Happen, yeah, Marianne Williamson. They would happen later next year. Typically, they have some sort of polling threshold. Uh, right now, unfortunately, RFK is polling uh, better than, than Williamson. Yeah, it's 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 a bit premature to say this would this is who would be on the stage, but also it's premature to say we're not having them at all. And if you remember, the Republicans also said they don't even want to have general election debate uh, debates that they wouldn't cooperate. In general elections, I don't know if they're going to stay true to that. This is something they said after the 2020 election. But there could be a possibility where Biden doesn't have any debates at all, the entire campaign. And that's not good. We're not, we're not picking somebody for you know homecoming king. We're not picking a class president or picking the president of the United States. And they should be able to demonstrate in scenarios like that at the very least, Mental aptitude, and there are genuine concerns that were expressed all the way back 
in the 2020 primary by other Democratic nominees about his cognitive abilities. Once he became the nominee, that became taboo. That was a conspiracy theorist or conspiracy theory as described by prominent Democratic pundits. Totally off limits, you couldn't even talk about it. I'm sorry, I don't buy that. This is the guy who is in charge of running the country, not a 7-Eleven. We should be able to see him in high stress situations like this. I, I think it's a it's a bad decision and extremely premature. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that, George. And your point about no debates would happen right now. I think most people understand that they wouldn't happen right now. They would happen, you know, next year. Who knows who else may get into the race on both sides, the GOP side, the the Democratic side or independent side between now and then. But to stifle, you know, the even the shut down the conversation even right now to me is very troubling. Your point about this is not the 7-Eleven, this ain't about homecoming king or queen. This is the presidency of the United States of America. We should be able to see how the president can operate in high stress situations. I totally get it. And I remember 2020 like it was yesterday, as you know. Many of you know and many of our viewers know who I was supporting to be the next president of the United States of America. And I saw in real time, both in 2016 and 2020, what the status quo of the Democratic Party does to shut down, not just physical debate on the stage, but just to shut down anybody that is not their chosen candidate. Now in 2020, we didn't have an incumbent, it was a little different, but that did not stop them from putting their whole body on the scale once again to stop progressive candidates like a Senator Bernie Sanders. It was the first time in this country's history, or at least I'll say modern history, where you had a lot of the top presidential candidates on the dim side, as you recall, who were polling very high, even above now President Biden, who got out of the primary, as you know. They stepped out of the primary to all endorse the now President Biden. So now this is a pattern that we see with the Democratic Party, which is problematic. Your point, Jordan, about the Republicans, they wrong all day long. Both parties, no party should be able to say we're not going to debate and present ourselves to the American people. It is unfair, and as we as a nation, critique and criticize other nations that may be more authoritarian, you know. Shakespeare once said, what's in a name? A rose by any other name smells just as sweet. I use that as an example that even though it might not have the same authoritarian fervor as a as as other nations that are not as you know, don't have the same democracy principles as we do. When you stifle debate and conversation, to me, it is almost the same thing. And my last point that I want you to react to too, I do also remember in 2020 that we rarely saw then Vice President Biden, they shielded him. COVID helped him to be shielded, as you may recall. And that is not going to be the case now, even though COVID is still lingering. I'm not one of those, I don't think it's over by a long shot. The pressures that people are feeling from it certainly are not over. But are they, do you think that they are trying to do a similar thing? I just listened to a report that said that it was on the on breaking points with Crystal and Sagar, and they were saying that this president has given the least amount of debate or interviews, I should say, in modern history, less than even President Donald J. Trump, and certainly way less than President Barack Obama. Your thoughts? Yeah, we have to consider the role the DNC 
and the, the other RNC. democratic establishment organizations play in our primary process, right? We let that become a, you know, basically a, have total control over that process. You saw it in 2016, how they pulled the strings to just basically hand the nomination to to Hillary. They tried it again in 20. You know, they're they're always changing the rules to benefit people who will protect the status quo. That's right. And that sort of rule bending or exceptions are never extended to progressives. You know, Bloomberg basically bought his way onto the debate stage just by giving them money. Yeah, is that did. is that the that's your that's the impression of uh, of your organization you want people to have? I just they don't really care. It's about preserving the status quo, protecting incumbents, protecting Democratic loyalists, and keeping progressives at bay. You know, I just I, you have to think about the people who have this D after their name. You know, purportedly are in support of the Democratic Party and are very close to like the DCCC, who go out and bash progressives and then turn around and try to muck up things that are signature planks in Biden's policies. Right? Josh yeah. Gottheimer is a perfect example. He really tried to stymie Build Back Better. The first two years of the Biden administration, but he was in their good graces because he was also running a pack to explicitly target and defeat Justice Democrats. That's right. What matters more to them? You would think if anybody else did that, if a progressive did that, imagine if AOC or Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, anyone like that, tried to stand in the way and block Build Back Better. The names they would be called, the attacks they would be subject to. But when Gottheimer does it from a centrist or right-leaning perspective. And couples it with an attack pack against Justice Democrats. You don't see it. You don't see those same attacks, insults, name calling, whatever. And this was his signature 2020 campaign, you know, legislative act. And they just don't care. That's the role they have in picking our candidates, defending incumbents, and maintaining the status quo. That is exactly right, Jordan. And they, I often say that they will, they being the status quo wing of the Democratic Party, go harder off of harder after progressives to your point than they even do Republicans. So you are absolutely right. We're definitely gonna keep an eye on this. Again, I believe that there should be robust debates when that time comes. I also believe that this president certainly has a right to run again. And he's already said that he is going to do so. Other people have the right to run as well, either as a Democrat or Republican or a libertarian, a third party candidate, let people go ahead and jump in. That's what representative democracy is supposed to be about. And let us not forget the DNC and the RNC are private entities. They are really private, not really, they are private corporations. And the fact that they get such sway over what the American people can hear and not hear is problematic to this representative democracy. So however you lean, we're just bringing you the information. You can do with it what you will. And so there is, you know, for him to run again, President Joe Biden has said, hey, I'm running again. That's within his right. He's doing that. But we're hearing from the majority of people who vote as Democrats, not the status quo, not the people who run the DNC or the DCCC or those kinds of folks, but from voters themselves that, you know, People are not feeling it so much. Let's put up this headline from the Daily Mail. Biden's brutal poll numbers as he announces his White House bid. 70% of Americans don't want him to run and a dwindling number of Democrats have his back. As far as I'm concerned, family and friends, this is something that people should pay attention to. Don't just ignore it. 
It's almost as if they just gonna ram candidates down our throats, whether it's on the Republican side or the Democratic side. But there it is, Biden's real poll numbers as he announces his White House bid, 70% of Americans don't want him to run and a dwindling number of Democrats have his back. So now President Joe Biden is going into his fourth presidential run with a brutal opinion, but brutal opinion polls. And even though the majority of Americans, including Democrats, don't want him to run again, he's doing it. His right to do it, I will say that always. Recent polls gathered from NBC News show. Seven in 10 voters don't want Biden to run in 2024, including 51% of Democrats. 6% say that they want a Biden versus Trump rematch in 2024. I mean, Jordan, let's just go on and rest right there. I mean, that is very, very telling. And so what I hear the status quo, both parties say the hell with what the American people want, which is usually the way they roll anyway, when we look at the types of legislation that pass or do not pass in this Congress, certainly it is not reflective of what the majority of the American people want. Because what the majority of the American people want, no matter how they identify, Politically, Jordan is a more progressive, more robust, more bold agenda. But that doesn't happen because the owner donors are in control. But this right here, Jordan, seven in 10 voters don't want Biden to run in 2024, including 51% of Democrats and 6% say they don't want a Biden versus Trump rematch in 2024. Your thoughts? It seems like Democrats are putting a lot of faith in the same outcome that we had in 2020. And they assume that would be the exact same outcome in 2024 if it was a Biden and Trump rematch. I don't necessarily think that's the case. You can draw a lot of distinctions between the real economic conditions for voters. Obviously, you know, most of COVID so far has happened under Biden, but you know the worst of it, the very the initial lockdowns, quarantine period that was Trump, and you saw how poorly he mishandled poorly. it. Yeah, but the cascading effects from from COVID and then the economic effects and corporate profiteering, you cannot leave that part out. That's right. The the inflation that that fueled did affect people's material conditions, and you can juxtapose that with Trump giving a temporary tax break to people. Uh, but you know, permanent one to corporations. They did see an immediate impact here and there that they feel in a negative way under Biden. You can't sit, you can't really assume that it would happen exactly the same as it did in 2020. On top of all of these other voter suppression attempts in swing states, all of these other culture war attacks, and again, the impacts of inflation, it doesn't seem like a perfectly analogous situation. I would warn people against just assuming it would be a repeat back to back victory for Biden. And I think that really speaks to at least creating some space to consider a viable alternative. Obviously, you want Trump or DeSantis or whoever the nominee is to lose. That's right. But I don't feel as confident as apparently a lot of Democrats do that Biden is the vehicle for that victory. Yeah, no, I'm with you, George. Can't assume anything, and this will not be exactly the same. Nothing is ever the exact exactly the same. And there are a lot of unknowns here. Now, Biden's approval ratings have been dropping for a couple of months now, and per 538, we can see how they have been dropping in this graph. So, a lot to consider here. Family, family, frenemies, and family. We Jordan and I are laying a lot out for you to consider. Now, with 
Biden's announcement comes with anti-democracy. Take a look at this headline from Fox, and that's right, Fox News. This headline right here, Biden's 2024 challengers use Democrats democracy slogan against them, say primary is rigged. The DNC plans to hold no primary debates in the race for the party's nomination. And that seems very definitive, whether it's this year or next year, they're making it very clear, I believe, to clamp down expectations and to really stop, to really try to stop people from getting in this race, that they do not plan to have primary debates. Maybe that may change, but that's where it's right now in April of 2023. And now the two challengers, we're talking about two announced challengers so far on the Democratic side, still a lot of runway to go, which is Marianne Williamson and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. don't like this, obviously, because they are announced candidates. Let's put up what Marianne Williamson had to say about this issue. The DNC plans no primary debates. As though these simply are, as though there simply are no other candidates, no other ideas we should discuss about ways to win in 2024, or other ideas we should discuss about ways to repair the country. Too many people are too smart to accept this. And I agree with Marianne Williamson. And I can tell you something, as somebody that supported Senator Bernard Sanders both in 2016 and 2020, both of those presidential elections were animated by the progressive agenda. Now the progressive candidate did not win, but obviously the talk about Medicare for all, about strengthening unions, about making sure that we expand the social contract to include college for all. Those kinds of, they would have never been a part of the Democratic platform or in the psyche of the American people, but for the courage that Senator Bernard Sanders from Vermont showed to jump in the race, even though other people told him not to jump into to the race, because in 2016, it was a foregone conclusion about who the nominee was going to be. So Marianne Williamson's point about the expression of ideas is so vitally important. Let's turn to what RFK Jr. had to say about this. I have known and liked Joe Biden for many years, but we differ profoundly on fundamental issues such as corporate influence. Go ahead, J, uh, RFK. In government, censorship, civil liberties, poverty, corruption, and war policy, among others. I look forward to engaging him in debates and town hall meetings in a primary election that is honest, civil, and transparent. I invite him into a new era of respectful dialogue in these times of division. So Jordan, what both candidates so far, and I hope other people jump into this race because those ideas are very important. What both of these candidates so far have said, I mean, there's very little to disagree with them about. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to like any of these people to support an idea or support the concept of debates in this primary. And I don't feel great about any of them, but I think they should have some sort of dialogue or interaction. I think a debate or a series of debates is perfectly fine. We should want that. We don't want the DNC handpicking people for these positions or these nominations and turning it into a coronation. Completely removes you from any sort of process, democratic or not. They, they want to pretend it's purely democratic. They want to wink and nod at your participation and role and level of influence over the decisions or outcomes. But Again, you don't have to throw your full support behind every part of their platform to just think, hey, 
maybe these two people who both are vying for the same position should debate. Yeah, no, you don't. And let's look at what David Argati had to say. Democratic primaries are not coordinations, amen to that. We deserve to hear the candidates debate and address their plans for the issues facing our nation before we make our decision for the strongest candidate for 2024. Sign the petition today. So we got a petition drive going. Debates are an integral part of the primary process. We will not allow the DNC to simply choose our candidate. Debates are democracy, sign the petition. So for those people, People who believe just simply that debates are part of democracy. This is not endorsing any of the candidates at all, but just to hold a pure concept by which this country centers itself on that debates are healthy and that Americans should have choice in almost every aspect of their lives. Picking a candidate to become the next president of the United States of America should be no different. And just because somebody holds the seat doesn't mean that they're automatically entitled to it again. This is not a dictatorship. This is not through a bloodline. This is supposed to be the United States of America. And of course, my stunt double had to jump in because she just had to jump in. Let's see what she had to say. Debates are a pillar of democracy and the DNC should set a new precedent by holding debates. The RNC didn't hold primary debates in 2020 and look how that worked out for their candidate. She also went further to say in 2020, the RNC didn't hold presidential primary debates. In 2024, the DNC doesn't plan on having primary debates. Both moves take away from the democratic process. Small d democratic process, I mean that for the RNC and the DNC, the DNC should hold debates. They should hold those debates when the time comes. Good God almighty. I want you to wrap your mind around that. Jordan and I took time to really go through and kind of parse this thing out. We will continue to have conversations about this as it continues to heat up. And we don't know, Jordan, obviously we don't know who else may jump into the race on the Democratic side or the Republican side. So we will keep this conversation going. So wrap your mind around that. Can't wait to read some of your comments about this. We will be right back. And welcome back to the show. Yes, be the change. Go ahead and join TYT. Our members fuel our ability to continue to be an independent media source. So we need you to join. Watching TYT is good. Subscribing on YouTube is good. Giving check marks, you know, thumbs up is very, very good. But what would be extraordinary is for you to become a TYT member. We need independent journalism now more than ever. So come on. Jump on in, the water is fine, become a member of TYT. Now, if you haven't already subscribed now to the TYT weekday morning newsletter, the progress report every morning, you wanna get a different spin on what's happening in the world, particularly here in the United States of America, get the progress report. Take your smartphone, put it up there and capture that Q code, why don't you? And the Shorty Awards, TYT is nominated for the Shorty Awards for our exceptional Coverage in TYT is America's largest progressive news network. We are a finalist in news and media. So vote, 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 vote. Go to tyt.com slash shorty. You can vote every day until April the 26th. We need your vote. So please get in there and vote for TYT. And don't forget, you can catch 
Unbossed on podcasts, wherever you get your podcast, you can listen to us there. And don't forget video on demand. All right, my favorite part of the show is many of you already know. We're gonna start off with our TYT members. We got Mountain Dragon, hello Mountain Dragon baby. Jordan on Unbossed, exclamation point. So good to see you two, always love you Senator Turner. And congratulations to Jordan and is that Andia? You're Adiana. How you pronounce the name? Uh, Adiana, we got Adiana. engaged. Yeah, congratulations to Jordan and Adiana, absolutely. And on Twitch, San Diego J, Jorby, we love you and a whole bunch of exclamation points there. And thank you Sleeveless Dragon for subscribing for 26 months. Love you Sleeveless Dragon, we appreciate you. Larry Swan, hello Larry. Neoliberals don't want debates because they're in line with neo-fascists. You got that right, neoliberalism does you in slowly. Neo-fascism real swift, so yeah, those are the forces we're fighting against. And on YouTube, Super Chat, Thomas, love the show. Thank you, Thomas, we appreciate you. And Myla Rose, Nina and Marianne 2024. Myla, don't you start no stuff, baby. Don't you do it. Don't you do it. Thank you so much for believing in my ability in that way. I appreciate you. And I'm sure Marianne Williamson does too. So I'm sighing deeply. And you know, I try not to do it, but on this one, I got to sigh. I got time today. So Don Lemon is no longer on CNN, as many of you probably know. But before he was let go, he checked some revisionist history of a GOP candidate. Take a look. I find, I find your explanation reductive and actually insulting, including to black Americans to say that black people today compared to 1964, 1865 haven't made progress in part because of the freedoms we secured. To say that, that black people, say what you said again. Black people secured their freedoms after the Civil War it is a historical fact, Don, just study it. Only after their Second Black Amendment rights had, were secured. They That's were not secured their freedoms after the Civil War. That is not, you are discounting uh, uh, Reconstruction, you're discounting a whole host of things that happened after the Civil War when it comes to African Americans, including the whole reason that the Civil Rights Movement happened is because black people did not secure their freedoms after the Civil War, <laughs> and that things turned around. People would try to change the freedoms that were supposed and to And you know, part that I find insulting fact. is when you say today black Americans don't have those rights after we have the gone through civil rights revolution in this country. You are sitting here telling an African American about the rights and what you find insulting about the the, the way I live, the skin I live in every day. Here's and where I you and I have the a freedoms point that of black view. and white that black people don't have in this he, country, here, and that black people do have. Oh Lord, I'm calling on Black Jesus right now because no other Jesus will do. I'm trying to keep my composure. Wusa, I'm trying really hard. I don't know how Don Lemon did it. I don't know how he did it. He was very composed compared to what this dude was up there saying. Then he gonna preach to a black man about how black people got their freedom. Does the man have a PhD in African American history that we don't know about? Has he studied this thing? Then you gonna tell Don Lemon to look at the history. Jesus Christ, my toddlers know that black people did not secure their freedoms after the Civil War. But I'm gonna bring it on down, I'm going to bring it on down. I got time today, baby, to teach this lesson. So if you're not up to speed, that was Lemon in a tense exchange with GOP candidate Vivek. 
Now Vivek decided he was going to lecture Don Lemon about what and how progress was made for the liberation of black Americans. You saw it yourself if you're watching, if you're only listening, you heard it yourself. Your skin should crawl, everybody should be up in arms, especially if you're black. But not only black people should be up in arms, Everybody who understands the situation in this country should be up in arms. And just the disrespectful, dismissive way this dude gonna try to talk down to Don Lemon. But let me go ahead, cuz I prepared some remarks for this. I'm trying to stay on script. It was clear from Don's facial and body language that he was upset. I would have been too, I'm upset right now. Just watching that segment got my blood boiling. I am not sure how Don Lemon mustered the restraint that he did even in that moment. Now, not only was Vibex comments offensive, they are ahistorical. Number one, Vibex said that he was offended. Now, how the hell he gonna be offended? He offended. Like he more offended than black people, Lord have mercy. He was offended that Don Lemon inferred that black people today have not made progress between 1865 and 1964 because of the freedoms we secured. First of all, who are the we is he referring to? Inquiring minds want to know, I'm asking that question. Please send me the message in a bottle on a train and on a plane. Exclamation point, bold and underline. I want to know who the we he is talking about. That's what I'm trying to understand here. I really am. And the fact that the 13th Amendment, asterisk on that 13th Amendment, 14th and 15th Amendment to the Constitution did not fully liberate black Americans. If he understood history, he would understand that. And at the time that the Second Amendment, because that's really what he goes into a whole ass argument with Don Lemon about, which is that the Second Amendment was one of those amendments that provided freedoms. But at the time that the Second Amendment was ratified, on December 15th, 1791, black Americans were enslaved. Thus, Vivek's point about that amendment liberating black people is a lie. His point about progress and the type of progress that's generational and the fact that he's saying after the Civil War, black people were totally liberated and free is a lie. I wish it were true, but it is a lie. Moreover, the status quo did not want African Americans to have guns and using de facto and de jure tactics. To thwart an African American's ability, black people's ability to have guns was on the table. Now the arrogance of Vibak was stunning, but not surprising as many non-black folks think that they have the right to tell black people how to think, what to say, and how to comport ourselves and think they understand our history more than we do. Now again, if this dude has a PhD in African American history, then I can almost understand. But if he had a PhD in African American history or African American studies, he would not have said the things that he said to Don Lemon. That's number one, two, three, four, and five. And let me go ahead and put some others on that. And even if he did, the way that he comported himself to a black man that is laying out the facts, both in lived experience and also in history, says a lot about this dude. And other people like him who think that they can tell black people what to do and what to think. And yeah, neoliberals, I'm looking at y'all too. And another thing, you don't have to be white to be anti-black. Let me just throw that on out there as well for the record.
You don't have to be. Now I got time today to teach this lesson. I do, I'm making the time today and I'm gonna teach it every opportunity that I get drawn from Dr. Carol Anderson's book, Race and Guns in a Fatally Unequal America. The Second Amendment, Race and Guns in a Fatally Unequal America. Let's pull some excerpts from an interview that Dr. Anderson did on NPR. The language of the amendment, and she's referring to the Second Amendment, Anderson says, was crafted to ensure that slave owners could quickly crush any rebellion or resistance from those whom they enslaved. And she says the right to bear arms presumably guaranteed to all citizens has been repeatedly denied to black Americans. I got time today. Thank you, Dr. Carol Anderson. Further in that interview, you saw incredible restrictions being put in place about limiting access to arms. And this is across the board for free blacks and particularly for the enslaved. And with each uprising, the laws became even more strict, even more definitive about who could and who could not bear arms and so free blacks were particularly prescribed. And so we see this for instance in Georgia where Georgia had a law that restricted the carrying of guns. Good God almighty, I'm making time today. We are gonna continue this lesson, but I encourage folks to go get the second race and guns in a fatally unequal America. The nerve of Ibeck, the nerve of him. And if my grandmother, my maternal grandmother was walking the face of the earth today, she would say that he has more nerve than a brass ass monkey. Well, I am speaking my grandmother's language today, the nerve and talking about he offended. I'm offended that he offended. What the hell he offended about? Gonna try to tell Don Lemon, Lord have mercy. Okay, so that's part one of the lesson. We're gonna keep going deeper into this thing, but it was certainly good to see. Representative Ro Connor. Weigh in on this, throwing his support behind Don Lemon. Let's put up with the representative, what the congressman, what he tweeted. Don Lemon was right. As an Indian American, I was profoundly embarrassed by Vibeck's lecturing a black man about black history. The truth is that the black civil rights movement paved the way for the 1965 Immigration Act so that Vibeck's family and mine could come to America. We owe a huge debt. Go ahead, team. Put Jordan up and put me back up. Let me further make this abundantly clear for the folks all the way in the back. That the black liberation struggle from chattel slavery to the 60s to this very moment. That other folks as Congressman Ro Khanna has laid out that other immigrants to this country owe a great debt of gratitude and every other social justice movement in this country drew from the liberation movement of black people. Hello somebody, so the nerve of this dude who doesn't understand that history, who doesn't care to understand that history to try to lecture Don Lemon or any other black person that understands this history or what about what brought freedom and liberation to black people. He is wrong all day long and twice on Sunday and it is offensive as hell. Jordan, your thoughts? Well, that's gonna be hard to follow. 
but I, I will try. Uh, one thing I want to point out, he uses this rhetorical flourish often. This is a historical fact, and that kind of plays to the ignorance of most Americans and especially his base. He says something that is baseless and totally untrue, like the NRA helped uh, black Americans achieve civil rights through gun ownership. That is patently false, and you can see that in some of the few gun restrictions the NRA supported throughout history, including the Mulford Act in 1967, which was a direct response to the Black Panthers open carrying. That's it. They purport to support open carry in every state, but when pressed and when it's Black Panthers doing it, then suddenly, oh, hey, we need gun control. So that is total BS. But Vivek Ramaswamy is like the perfect candidate for the racist Republican white voter who doesn't want to be true with themselves about who they are and what they believe. Because he's going out there and saying, hey, all of this diversity, equity, and inclusion stuff on the left, it's crazy. You're right to think it's crazy. And when that is the messenger, someone who is not white, it makes them feel good about their conscience and also also their bigotry and xenophobia and racism. Because hey, it's not them saying that any sort of equity or diversity or inclusion initiative is bad. It's Vivek saying it. Then they can just point to him and he's just kind of the conduit for them scapegoating their own xenophobia and racism and bigotry. It is really insidious when you have people like that who exploit that type of messaging because they don't fit into the stereotypical mold. It's really, really unfortunate. Yeah, it is, Jordan. And like you said, he uses the it's a historical fact. <laughs> when in fact it's not a historical fact, and the man is lying, is ahistorical everything that he said. But even like just, just the veracity by which he was making those statements, as it, I mean, just really talking down to Don Lemon. As you can see, Jordan, as you said, I was a hard act to follow. I'm heated about this thing. Every time I watch that, it just makes me just ooh, ooh wee. I'm having a ooh, wee moment. And let's go ahead and put up this chart. Uh, that uh, just a reminder for Vivek and others who think like him, whether you are Republican or not. I got time today. I want you to look at this American slavery in 1619. I want you to understand this stuff right here. Segregate, so 246 years, almost 250 years. We got segregation almost 90 years. And from 1954 to the 2000s, all right, we still working on this experiment. It's not done, it's not done. And for this dude to sit up here and say that the Second Amendment provided liberation, the hell that it did. Again, black people were enslaved at the time that the amendment was ratified. Y'all better go ahead and pick up Dr. Carol, Carol, Carol Anderson's book. Yeah, I got time today. And I'm sick of the foolishness. Especially, especially from non-black folks of color. We're gonna sit up here and 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 be the cloak for these folks to push these kind of racial ideologies and anti-blackness, racism, anti-blackness. I want you to duly note it what I am saying about anti-blackness, because people are always throwing up racism. I'm laying out the anti-blackness on top of it. And it's a shame that Don Lemon had to go through that with this dude. Now, this exchange between Lemon and Vibeck was eerily similar to an exchange that I had on CNN with Hillary Rosen. Take a look at this. 
um, Dr. Martin Luther King before saying that uh, he said from the Birmingham jail that we should be um, concerned about white moderates. That's actually not what Martin Luther King said. What he said is he we should be worried that. about the silence Dr. Martin of Luther white King moderates. Jr. Chris, when Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was talking about, he said it is the point that the white moderate wants things to be comfortable. And instead of focusing in on that, the bigger threat is not necessarily the white KKK member, but more the white moderate that is more comfortable you with know keeping what? things don't, the same don't or pretending use, like there don't is Don't use no Martin Luther King against than, Joe than Biden. You, you don't first have all, that. Nobody, you don't all, have that standing. All, I'm Hillary, sorry, you, you don't. don't. Don't tell me what kind of standing you, I have you, as a black woman in America. How dare you? you. Don't. I'm telling you, Jordan, it was like yesterday. You see what that chick did? <laughs> I did remember you see that what the chick did? Yeah. And I had my blonde afro. I was ready for it that day. You hear me? Do you see that? And it's the same energy that Vivek got. But this chick right here is a Democratic neoliberal. Gonna tell me don't MLK Joe Biden when we can put it. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was very clear about the white liberal and the danger that white liberal poses to true liberation and freedom for black people. But this chick right here, this chick right here gonna talk over me, gonna tell me not only am I a black woman in America, I think I composed myself quite well too there, Jordan, given the circumstances. Not only am I a black woman in America, I got a degree in the subject specializing in 20th century African American history. And this chick gonna sit up here and tell, try to out talk me. Jordan, I don't even know. I mean, say what you need to say on this. If you want to say something, go ahead and say it. But damn it, I'm a, I'm I'm really outraged. Yeah, it's they're they're very similar scenarios, and it's it it shows how people like to contort and twist and manipulate Black history in America, and especially you know Black activists and their messages after they're gone to suit white interests. And even though Vivek is not white, he's still doing it to serve the white wealthy interests in America. That's the party he's running in. That's the people he's trying to benefit with his campaign. And you can see how he's trying to manipulate this history to deceive people, mislead people, ultimately in pursuit of supporting white capitalist wealthy interests. Yeah, we got a long way to go, Jordan. I sigh deeply. I'm telling you, I know we can't get to, to more, no more comments, Sachi. I don't know if you got something coming my way, but I'm gonna tell you something. I feel just like I was in that interview all over again. You know, to take away the agency of black people and people like Hillary Rosen and also this Vivek here, they cut from the same cloth. They just represent two different parties. And and white America needs to understand this that you don't have standing to tell black folks what to think and how to feel. She could have simply argued her point, just like Vivek could have simply argued his point. But then they want to be condescending and lecture me and lecture somebody like Don Lemon. I had time for a day, that day, time for her that day. Let me tell you, we continue that argument on social media. You better believe it. And then she had the nerve, the pure unadulterated nerve. To tweet out something like, call me an angry black woman. She dug in on it, Jordan, if you could believe that. 
And I said, you're damn right, I'm angry. I'm mad about a whole bunch of stuff. I'm mad about inequity in this country. I'm mad about the suffering of my people in this country. I'm mad. And I'm taking applications. So let me just say this to the to the TYT family. I'm taking applications. You too can be an angry black woman. And let's get some things changed in this country. How dare she? And how dare Vibeck do this kind of foolishness? And there's gonna be others out there. They do the same thing. They do it all the daggone time. We got time today. I'm gonna make time every time something like this happens. So go ahead on, Don Lemon. You was absolutely right about that. I'm signed deeply. I got my fire extinguisher. I'm almost ready to get out of my seat. And this is time for me to throw some damn papers. Now I don't wanna tear up Jordan. I'm trying not to tear up my damn studio, so I throw papers. But those are microaggressions. This is the kind of stuff black people got to go through all the time. Now, Don Lemon and I got the luxury to debate people on TV. <laughs> you know what I mean? Other people go through some more hellified microaggressions in this country because folks don't understand. And damn it, Dr. King did lecture. Damn white neoliberals, he did. And so did Minister Malcolm X. Woo! Anyway. Jordan and I are about to go on. Let me see if Sachi gave me some comments here. Oh, one of the greats, one of the greats have left the face of this earth. And we're gonna talk about him, the great Harry Belafonte. We got Maximus, oh, your grandmother, Nina, truth and fire. Good trees make good fruit, indeed. Thank you, Maximus. Michael, burn the script. <laughs> I know that's right, Michael. I don't know that. Y'all don't want Nina Turner unleashed. You just don't want it. The world ain't ready for it, not just this country. And on YouTube, Super Chat Donald, bring the smoke and blow that fire, Nina. Thank y'all all. But I hope y'all see how ridiculous these fools are. All right, here we go. Iconic activist, artist, and singer, Mr. Harry Belafonte passed away yesterday at his home in Manhattan at the age of 96 years old. I want you guys to watch this from a 2005, what Mr. Harry Belafonte had to say at the Congressional Black Caucus Town Hall. Take a look. Harry Belafonte, thank you. Uh, thank you for a lifetime uh, of commitment and struggle. And it's a man who is the 21st century's example of the great Frederick Douglass, who speaks truth to power. Uh, and you should know that we not only appreciate it, but we respect what you do and what you stand for, unbought, unbossed, and unbowed. That is unique in America today. Thank you. Very, very unique in America today. Harry Belafonte, 96, dies. He's a barrier-breaking singer, actor, and activist. Harry Belafonte, who stormed the pop charts and smashed racial barriers in the 1950s with his highly personal brand of folk music and who went on to become a dynamic force in the civil rights movement died on Tuesday at his home on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. He was 96, the cause was congestive heart failure. Let's go to the next clip of the one and only Harry Belafonte. Martin said, you know, I've been thinking long and hard about our struggle. We worked tenaciously for our rights. And uh, the culmination of all that effort will be reflected in what we've come to call the integration movement. And I sit here deeply concerned that I suspect we are leading our nation on an integration trip that has us 
integrating into a burning house. Yeah, Harry Belafonte believed that he was quoting the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Dr. King's frustration with the political process. Just a great, great man. Can you all just put up the tweet that I put up with Mr. Belafonte's quote? This is part one. The man's life is so dynamic, so large. We're gonna do a two part on Mr. Harry Belafonte, but we would have been remiss on this show not to lay out some of what Mr. Harry Belafonte had to say. I had the opportunity to meet him. And we're gonna talk about this some more tomorrow. This is what I tweeted out. I was, and this is a quote from the great Harry Belafonte when he said, I was an activist who became an artist. I was not an artist who became an activist. Harry Belafonte, to Mr. Barry, uh, Harry Belafonte's family, just our condolences to you on one of the great legends of our time. Jordan, I know we probably have less than 30 seconds left, but I wanna say that Mr. Harry, Harry Belafonte, he came, he did that thing. Sure, Harry Belafonte's life is a, a perfect example of how everybody, and especially people in entertainment, should use their platform to make the world a better place. Amen. Nothing frustrates me more than artists and entertainers, and especially in music, where you have a captive audience night after night in person, and you don't use that platform for good, or you actively shy away from getting involved in politics or social issues because you're pursuing more and more money and bigger crowds. You're too scared of alienating people, so you completely close up and don't associate yeah. with any social or political movement. That's cowardice to me. So. It's a real testament to his legacy and you can see that in the reactions to his passing today. Yeah, you can all over the world, all over the world. So Mr. Harry Belafonte, rest in power and also in peace. And we'll finish more about his life tomorrow. That is our time today. You know how much I would, what I want you to do. I want you to keep the faith always, always. You need to marry that faith with fight. Thank you, Jordan, for joining us and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.